0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, a lot like the uh, fasting sermon last week. There is so, so much to talk about when it comes to prayer. Um, I'm preaching on the Lord's Prayer as given to us by, Matthew, by Jesus in the book of Matthew. Um, it feels like there's a couple of things to take note of as we get into this first, is, is you'll be like, well, where's the rest of it? <laughs> so the, the Lord's Prayer is recorded in Scripture. doesn't include that tail end piece. Um, that was added sometime later by the church. And we don't know exactly when, but we do know it was really early. And in those first one or two centuries, uh, yeah, there, that piece was kind of tacked on there. It's good. It's, it's a good and blessed thing. We don't, we don't say that it is scripture. We just say that it, it's a thing that the earliest Christians added to the prayer, and it's good. So we retain it. But the way Jesus teaches us to pray is even more terse than the Lord's Prayer. Now, it doesn't mean like this is the only prayer you're supposed to pray. You read the Gospel of John, and you've got um, what what we call the high priestly prayer when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. John actually records a lot of what that prayer was, and it's long, right? Jesus didn't just pray this this short version of prayer, right? He he prayed and prayed and prayed, and it's it's awesome. So it's it's not as though this is the best prayer, the only prayer, the whatever prayer. But it teaches us some things about praying. In the same way he taught us some things about fasting right in the same section of Matthew last week. So it's important to keep that in mind. um, And it's important to keep in mind that when we pray, it's it's not that this prayer is perfect and, and all of that for everyday use all the time. But as we hear in this prayer those things that are perfect, we adapt them and pray differently each and every day because this is the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus, would you please stand? Jesus said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it seemed right to me to kind of introduce a new um, discipline, right? So we've been talking fasting, and I've had these videos online fasting, and and just kind of inviting people if you want to try fasting, check out these videos, uh, etc. Blah blah blah. But I think we should add something when it comes to prayer, also. So it's important, um, and we're going to talk about that, but. It, Talking about it and doing it are are different things. So what we're going to do starting today is I'm going to, um, actually, I'm going to do it today, but we're going to maybe just have the elders do this from now on. We're just going to pick somebody at random from the congregation to come up and pray for me and for my message, and we're going to just go ahead and and have a a moment of prayer. So just kind of randomly... um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You should see your faces. (laughs) Just Don't be me, don't be me, don't be me, (laughs) right? (laughs) Good news. You know what that means? You know what that panic you had means? It means you're not those hypocrites, right? That's what that means. You're not those hypocrites who, as Jesus was saying, love to stand on the street corners, and let it be known to all. There are many words, and they go on and on, so everybody can hear how verbose they are, how, how articulate they are. They know big theological words. This kind of sounds like what I do, actually, to be honest. No, but it's, that, that's that type of hypocrite, right? You're just a different type of hypocrite. You're a different type of hypocrite, because for the same reason, you probably don't love praying. See, they, they think the audience are all of those people in the synagogue and on the street corners and, and they're praying so those people can hear. You think the audience is more like yourself or in a small group, those people who are with you. You think other people are the audience for your prayers. Or maybe you're a hypocrite because you think the, the audience correctly is God you just have a misunderstanding of that relationship. So that's what it really boils down to is, is who is the audience to your prayer? If, if, if you think to yourself, I, sh- I don't know what to say, I don't know the, the right words, I, I'm gonna sound dumb, I'm not gonna sound right, I don't know, uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, you're worried about what someone else is gonna think if you're praying out loud, or you're worried about yourself. And and you just have your own confidence and insecurity issues that, that you need to be working on because in reality the father is your audience. God the Father. See, it's it's an important thing that, that the Lord gives to us this relationship when it comes to our prayer life. That that He's like our dad. And that, that, that has a huge impact on everything. We're going to get to that in just a second in the next point of the sermon. But first, we, we have to understand the nature of prayer. What it really is, is very similar to any other communication that we have, right? It's just spiritual linguistics. But language matters and words matter. They really do. Uh, I'm forever grateful to my dad, who's probably watching this now, Because as an English teacher, he was always, always really precise with his words and always set a high standard for me to understand the English language. And really, the the more I look at the world and and try and understand the world, the more I realize a lot of it boils down to communication and language and how that has framed how I see the world, how other people see the world. It really all boils down to just, just a couple of things. Right? When I was um, kind of coaching Dan, I, I hate to say that I was mentoring Dan in Greek or that I was tutoring him in Greek, uh, I didn't do that much, but I was kind of coaching him a little bit right, with, with Greek and I kept telling him everything, everything, everything is vocabulary and verbs. Uh, another way to say that is nouns and verbs. Right? When you're learning a language, if you can get nouns and verbs down, you got about everything, right? Nouns, person, place, thing, and then verbs. The, the stuff the person, place, or thing did, will do, or has done, right? And then you've like other things, like adjectives that tell us something about nouns, and adverbs that tell us something about verbs, and direct objects about, like, you know, the object of the verb. It's, it's just nouns and verbs. You, you kind of get those things squared away, and you've taken a huge step in, in just learning any language, English or whatever. And as you, as you learn what those nouns are, and you, you get the basic sense of the verbs, you learn a lot about a person and the culture they're from. And the most common verb in any language, English, Greek, anybody want to venture a guess what that is? Eat. Eat is not the correct one. <laughs> but it's a, it's a great guess. <laughs> it's actually a really good guess. Does anybody know? Not go. It's, a, it's the "to-be" verb. M. I am. I was, I will." It's interesting, right? This is my body. This is my. Body. It's the most common verb, which you also find is it's, it's the most monkeyed-up, messed-up verb in, in any language because it's so commonly used, for instance, for us, "I am. I was. What was an M? Like, what the, those don't sound at all. There's two different, very different words. That's it's bizarre. Will be? It's very strange. But that, that to be verb means so much. And it's the most common verb. It tells us you know, a lot, not just about English, but because it's the most common verb in any language, it tells us a lot about the, the status. The, the culture of all people on earth, no matter their language and culture. And Yahweh, when God said, this is who I am, his name is Yahweh, I am. There's a lot to that, that we don't have time for today. <laughs> but language, spiritual language, is the, the practice and discipline of talking to our dad, which is why we all start as babbling babies. We all start as just little ones, right? Just making sounds that delight the Lord. Right? That's... That, that's Something that we have to all just kind of accept. And and I love that this congregation has just accepted that, right? The the sounds of babbling babies in church always bother mom more than they bother pastor. They always bother mom more than they bother anybody else in the space. And the reason is, is, is you think... As, as this parent of this little one, that it's inconvenient or that it's bothering. But what everyone else hears is what? Future of the church. Growth. Health. We do this with our own kids, too, right? When, when you've got a little one, when, when you've, you've got a baby, and you're, you're waiting for those first words, oh my gosh, isn't it fun? Whatever it is, like, it doesn't matter. You're just, you're just hopeful to get something. And it's almost always just because it's easier, right? Just linguistically, it's easier. It's almost always da-da, da-da, dad, right? Mom spends most of the time, but dad gets the first word. Yes, I love it, right? And how do we feel about that when it happens? We're, we're overjoyed. We're ecstatic, even when it's way off, even when it's completely nonsensical. Um, my dad is watching, and i I'm sorry, Dad. I got to do it. So, <laughs> the first grandchild is born, and Christopher is his name. First grandchild is born, and trying to get Grandma and Grandpa out. Grandma comes out frama, Grandma frama. Okay, that we get, we get that. And then for my dad, for Grandpa, what came out was bika, bika, bika. Well, <clears throat> it stuck because <laughs> if you know if you know my dad. And if you've seen him in profile, he's got a beaker, right? And it's not his fault. It's not even genetic. It was in a car accident. It's, it's really, he has Ford in stamped on his face is what really happened. But yeah, it's a beaker, right? It's, it, and we are overjoyed. My dad wasn't mad. You know, grandpa wasn't upset, like, get it right. We all jerk, right? That's... Just overjoyed you're saying anything. This is how God feels when we talk to him. We all start as babbling babies. We all start our prayer life just making sounds. And the Father in heaven is like, we're getting there. Just keep going, yeah, yeah. And, and, And even babbling back to our little ones, just encouraging them. Just keep making those sounds. And sometimes those sounds come out frustrated and angry because the child's hungry. Sometimes they come out silly and laughing because the, the child is just having fun. Sometimes those, those sounds are just whatever. They, we have no clue. That's oftentimes how our prayer life begins. Good. That's okay. Because remember, your neighbors, your friends, your family, the church is not your audience. God is your audience, and, and he's not some dude. It's, it's not uh, our father to give us this idea that God is this masculine figure in the sky. So no, it's, it's, that's the relationship that we have with him, right? That's, that's the relationship we're supposed to have. We're supposed to understand that that's what God is like to us. He's, he's like this dad who's perfect and wonderful and loving and, and, and just wants to talk to us wants to encourage us to just say words, say things. And and there's been times when, you know, as my kids have grown, my conversations with them absolutely change, right? The the things that we talk about today were not the things that we talked about when they were five years old. The things I talked about with my son, who's going to be turning 20 pretty soon, today are very different than what we talked about when he was 5, 10, even 15 years old. The language develops and the way we communicate with our God develops over time. All that means is you gotta spend time doing it. You gotta get into that and start, just start talking to Him. There's not wrong things you can say. You're not gonna offend, you're not going to make angry. You have a God who is perfect as Dad. And I know that that has to beg a question or two or three or ten. But let's start with, what does this mean for us, fellas? Fellas, this is a big deal. It's important that that we model with our kids what it's like to have a relationship with children that is based biblically, scripturally, spiritually, the way in which God relates to us yeah, it's a tall order. It is. Welcome to the responsibility of being a dad. And this doesn't remove any responsibility from moms or anything like that. I'm just saying when they read scripture, which is our goal, that they will grow up reading scripture, they will read this. When they learn the Lord's prayer, they will will hear our father because that's how it is translated. Right, So it's important for us to be that spiritual model for our children because there's something. Remember, language matters. If you grow up in the framework where dad isn't a good word, if you grow up in a framework where communication with dad never happens or communication with dad is not good or anything like that, you are going to struggle with a relationship with a God who invites you to call him dad. Which, of course, brings us to any of you who've grown up with a tumultuous relationship with dad. Trust me, I I know, I mean, firsthand, I know I've got an incredible dad. The reason I know that is because I am very close with many in this room and all over the place who don't have that same relationship with their dad. I know. And, and I I've had those conversations and sat in prayer with them and and always first in my heart is I am so blessed to have the dad I have who who was quick to have spiritual conversations, to tell me he loves me, to to encourage me and support me. That's what I had growing up. Now, not everybody had that kind of dad. Not everybody had dad long enough. I know. That's that's difficult. What, What you need to do in that scenario and situation is understand the brokenness of the world leads many men towards sin, many men towards their own brokenness, their own failure, their own limitations, their own insecurities, and rather look to those places where you can find blessed dadhood. I mean, right there in Scripture, you see over and over again an account of a heavenly father who has his children, who doesn't always give them what they want, sometimes allows them to struggle, sometimes lets them have their own natural consequences, but is always there to redeem, always there to rescue, always Always loving and caring and staying connected. And this is part of the reason why I take preaching really seriously. Not because I'm spiritual dad of living faith. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) But what, what is my job? My job is to preach the scriptures. And you should hear out of my voice what this sounds like when it comes to dad every single time I'm preaching or Dan's preaching. Not a grumpy, angry guy. Not, not somebody who's bitter. Not somebody who is broken. But the same God week in and week out. Scripture, church preaching, and then just look around. There's, a, there's great dads here at Living Faith. There's, there's great dads that you know. And it's, it's not, I mean, again, my dad is the best dad on the planet. I have to keep saying that because I know he's watching. Right? <laughs> but even, even when we were first married, Joni and I would look around and we'd go, yeah, what do we want our kids to be like? And, and there were the Sternemans, number one. right? We were like, those kids. I want those kids. How do I get those kids? What do I do? Well, if, well if What we do is just going to be the same as what Jane and Mike did. So we just got to know Jane and Mike. And, and our kids are kind of a lot like Sternman kids, really. So we just learn from other, other dads that we think are awesome. Th- this is the blessing. And where did we find Mike and Jane? In the first church I was at, right? They were members of that congregation, super involved, awesome people. So that's, that's the whole idea is in this congregation, we have at our disposal, at our fingertip, a resource of each other. So that's, again, we could, we could mind this for a long time. Point being, we all start as these babbling fools, right? Just saying stuff to God. He's excited to hear from us every single time. He's the perfect dad who just wants us to keep talking, right? Keep saying stuff. You're probably going to say something that isn't the best, right? That later you look back and be like, I can't believe I used to pray for that. And the Father in heaven's going, I know, it's pretty funny. It's it fine, I love you. You're learning, it's OK, and you'll grow, right? And then there's this part of the Lord's prayer that I think really just needs some addressing. And by the way, a time out here, 20-second timeout before we get any further. I'm going to keep releasing those videos, and the next one, of course, is going to be about prayer. So we had fasting some spiritual discipline stuff online on YouTube and that. Prayer, of course, will be this week. I'll, I'll release a couple of those because I just can't get it all in um, these texts. and I'm, I'm sorry. There's just too much to preach on. Okay. So there is this part of the text that, that does require, and I've, and I've got a good quote on it, so I do not want to get there before I go too much further. Um, but let's get Matthew 6, verse 12 on the screen. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And you'll notice that's a different use of language than we have in the Lord's Prayer when we pray it on Sunday. It really boils down to translation, boils down to different versions. This is ESV. I always love the ESV. It does a better job. The church has historically used more of a present tense Forgive us our debt as we forgive those who debt us, right? But it's past tense. All of the verbs in here are past tense. There's something to be noted there that we have been forgiven. And as a result of that, we have forgiven other people. But (laughs) let's put the next scripture up there. Jesus does feel inclined to include this verse. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That sounds ominous, but it's not. It can be. It can be if you misunderstand or if you willfully rebel when it comes to um, this idea of forgiveness. But what, what the text does, what Jesus really does, is he reaches back in time and he says, you have been fully forgiven. And this, this happens when you first believe because what you believe when you first believe is that Jesus, true God, true man, died for your sins, meaning died to forgive your sins, meaning you believe that, meaning your sins are forgiven. And for many of us, myself included, that happened in baptism when I was a tiny little baby, right? And then as I grew, what I learned was the spiritual discipline of prayer, of fasting, always brings me to this place of recognizing how broken the world is. I mean, think about your current prayer life. However good or bad it is, you're probably praying most about broken, sinful stuff, right? You're probably praying most about uh, the, the pain and suffering that you caused somebody or somebody caused you, sin. You're praying for uh, some, some kind of uh, delivery from something, sin. <laughs> you're, you're, you're praying that God would provide you something that you need, that you don't have, because most likely sin. Sin. Even when you go to the Lord and you rejoice and you are celebrating, it's probably an avoidance of the catastrophic sin that could have got you but didn't. Even if you just rejoice, Lord, I'm praying today happy and thankful that I'm alive for another awesome day. That's opposed to being dead because of sin. See how sin just kind of peppers everything? Even when that's, that's... Not a bad thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't be happy when you pray to God, but recognizing rather that that all of these disciplines can bring us to a point, especially during Lent, of just recognizing this world is broken. (laughs) Look how sinful and, and absolutely awful the world is because of the sin of mankind, and that that brings us then to repentance. What role can I play inside of this? With fasting, it's, it's being that, that better husband, father, pastor, neighbor, friend, whatever it might be. In prayer, it brings me to that place of how can I lift my brother and sister up in prayer? How can I pray for others? And, and the power of prayer just in general, experientially, watching what God can do. All of this, all of this reminds us of these words of Jesus that can be tough, that we ought to pray and forgive. For if you forgive other their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I want to read, um, Just I can't say it better than Professor Gibbs, um, who would be annoyed if he knew I was reading this, (laughs) and that's okay. But here's what he says in his commentary. And I, I read this, 15 years ago maybe and, and truly um, have since incorporated it into all of my teaching on this like I said I, just, I simply can't say it better Professor Gibbs says second there's an important spiritual distinction between finding it hard or even for a time being unable to forgive and being unwilling to do so I'm going to repeat that first sentence one more time There's an important spiritual distinction between finding it hard or even for a time being unable to forgive and being unwilling to do so. There will be times when all the disciples of Jesus can offer is is nothing more than a broken and contrite heart. I know, Lord, what you require of me. I long to do it, but cannot unless you help me. Me. For such a one, poor in spirit, there is the message of God's mercy in Christ and the promise of the blessing of the reign of heaven already now. I forgive you. Take and eat. On the other hand, if a Christian looks one another in the eye and says, I know what God requires of me and I will not do it, that's a different matter. It's not some, it, it doesn't disqualify you from the kingdom of God if you, if you have in your heart a real difficulty to forgive. It's, it's a different thing when you, when you have in your heart the desire, because we should all desire for that to be forgiven and done. To hang on to something, I cannot forgive this person. I want to, and I cannot. We all know the best resolution to that is forgiveness and have it be done and finished so it doesn't gnaw at you, so it doesn't eat at you constantly all the time. What Gibbs is saying in, in that beautiful quote, which I will email you or text you if you want to, it. it's, it's fantastic. So what he's saying is, if you're in that place, good news Jesus, the kingdom of God, faith, religion, scripture, living faith, all, all of the stuff, everything, what this is, is the forgiving business. And business is good. <laughs> it has been good. It is good, and it will be good. We're back to those very, very important linguistics. Words matter. Verbs matter when jesus says you are forgiven that means you were you are and you continue to be you will be to the end of your life to the end of time you are when he says take and eat this is my body it is his body for the forgiveness of sins given to you you're part of the forgiving business what God does is forgive. That's, that's the whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing is bringing reconciliation by forgiveness to the people of God on earth. When we pray this prayer, forgive us our sins, we're saying we want in the family business. We're part of the family business. And what does that mean? Part of the family business, the family business is selling bananas out of a banana stand, right? Right? Then you sell bananas out of the banana stand. Some of you got that reference. I love it. (laughs) But if your family business is forgiveness, get forgiven. Start doing it. Get to work. Forgive others. Is it hard? Yeah. Yeah. Is it difficult sometimes? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Does it get easier? Somewhat. Over time. It does. Practice. Start by forgiving somebody easy, like your kid. You love them so much, they mess up. Just forgive them. Forgive them like a dad or a mom forgives their kids and teach them what that forgiveness is like at a young age. But you're in the forgiving business. Business is good. It always has been and always will be. This is what God does in his kingdom. You're in his kingdom. If you find it really extremely hard to do, well then, welcome to the family and the family business. It's challenging for me, for you, for all of us. And sometimes we have to forgive ghosts of the past. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive in the future. But this is what the kingdom is. And that's good news. It's good news to know that that is the number one priority of your dad is to express his love to you in forgiveness. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.